live from the Big 12 Media Days. This is the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. Now on the stage, we have Baylor head coach Dave Aranda. Again, we'll start with an opening statement, and then we'll go to questions. Coach? So humbled uh, to be here with you guys. The John Moore Show is brought to you by Amanda Cunningham, Coldwell Banker Apex Realtor, by Alliance Bank Central Texas, by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, your friend in the car business, by the Baylor Club at McLean Stadium, on the web at thebaylorclub.com, and by Diamore Fine Jewelers, 4541 West Waco Drive, where Waco gets engaged. I'm not really competing with the other Power 5 conferences. You know, I want the Big 12 to be the best version of ourselves. And if we can do that, we're in a great place. So it's not about ranking us within the Power Five, but I can tell you this, there's been no better time to be a part of the Big 12 than right now. And um, this thing is gonna grow, it's gonna move forward in a positive way, and I'm really excited about our future. John Morris live from the Big 12 Media Days on ESPN Central Texas. The flagship station for Baylor Athletics. I look at, you know, the last year trying to save people, maybe trying to change people, and uh, not having hard enough boundaries. And, uh, you know, I look at, the, I don't know if it was a hubris or what it was that made me think that I could, uh, but I think people are ready to change or improve when they're ready to, um, when they're ready to do it on their own. Now, live from the Big 12 Media Days, here's the voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. Hi, and welcome to John Morris Show on a Thursday again from AT&T Stadium in Arlington. We are glad you are with us today, day two of the Big 12 uh, Football Media Days. Fun to be here yesterday and today, and uh, we got a great hour lined up for you. Thanks to Aaron Sexton in the studio making things work. Leading things off, let's visit with the uh, play-by-play voice for one of the new schools here in the Big 12. Greg Rubel, the voice of the BYU Cougars, joins us. And uh, very nice to see you. Very nice to have you here. How's it been for you the first two days? Well, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Uh, both on the air and then socially. We had uh, a nice dinner last night. It was a nice uh, dinner. All the Big 12 radio yeah. broadcasters getting together. Thanks for welcoming you into the club. <laughs> uh, we had a great time last night. Uh, one of the longer dinners. Uh, it was. Which means it's a fun dinner. Right. And, and so, yeah, great to be with you guys. And good, great to have BYU in the league. It's been real for a couple of years since September of 21 the announcement came but there are different milestones along the way that make it feel just a little more solidified and this is probably the the capper that that, that kind of you when you see BYU's logo next to the other great logos in this conference and and coaches are rubbing shoulders are actually talking about a season now um, it, it feels as real as ever that BYU now finds itself in a, in a P5 conference and in a great P5 conference. Uh, you know, in, in the world of athletics today, uh, John, uh, to find stability and momentum at the P5 level is is sometimes a rarefied air uh, with so much talk of defection and departure and realignment and shifting. And, and you know, the Big, the Big Ten and the SEC kind of operate on their own tier in a way, but there's no doubt right now the Big 12 is a solid number three and that's not a bad place to be these yeah. days yeah. Uh, and and again I, I think it's almost 
remarkable that, uh, and a lot of this credit goes to Commissioner Yormark, but the ADs and coaches and everyone else who's bought into it deserve shared credit, and that is you lose OU and, and Texas, and yet somehow appear to be gaining forward momentum, yeah. you know, despite losing flagship programs, which is hard to do, but I think the, I think the Big 12 has done it. I credit uh, and always like to give credit to Bob Bowlesby, our former commissioner, you know, for identifying and bringing in BYU and Cincinnati. It was on his watch, absolutely, right, right. So always give him credit for that and for great schools to bring into our league. It's an exciting time, uh, I know, for you as as a newcomer to the league, but really for all of us, you know, it's just kind of a burst of energy and freshness to this. Novelty. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you've been doing this a long time. I'm getting up there myself, and and so anytime you you can introduce something new and interesting and exciting into our careers at this stage is really welcoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've already had the experience of going uh, to Waco, of course, and playing at McLean, and that was a great experience a couple of years ago. Uh, and we'll get back on the schedule with you guys at some point, I'm sure. But to go to venues I've never seen before, you know, to go to go to a place like Stillwater and, and, and experience the Sea of Orange on a game day. Right. And, and even Lawrence. You know, Lawrence isn't known as a uh, uh, maybe a, a bucket list destination for football fans, but uh, for BYU it is because that's going to be the first – Big 12 game BYU ever plays wow. will be at, at KU in, in mid to late September. And so even places like that will hold special meaning for Cougar Nation moving forward. But there will be so many new and exciting things to experience. And I mentioned Bucket List. And, you know, for most basketball broadcasters, the fog is on there. And I've never been. Uh, in fact, it's funny. Uh, I do baseball uh, on the radio as well, and BYU was scheduled to play Creighton in Omaha this mm-hmm. past spring a few months ago. Okay. We got to Cre- we got to Omaha. The weather was snowy and rough, and so they actually moved us, moved the series, took a game off the series, moved us down to Lawrence. Oh. And so in April, I was actually in Lawrence to play baseball at the park just adjacent to the right, fog. Right. And so the players like, Greg, come on in. I'm like, ah, you know, I want to wait. I want to yeah, save yeah. it. I want. <laughs> I, I, I could go in minutes after you'd be great, right. but I want to I want to go on a game day when I'm actually going to be calling a game. And so I, I haven't been in the fog mm-hmm. yet. I've been outside of it, went to the ballpark, and called a couple ball games there this spring. But uh, that's another thing, too, that uh, I think will be really special for me once we get going. It's a great experience. Yeah. So that's a good move, too. I'll just wait until you can go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could have gone in, and but I, I just thought, you know, I wanna, I, it'll be more special if, if it's a game day. Yeah, yeah. Tell our listeners uh, how long, I mean, you've got good perspective. How long have you been doing the games for so, BYU? Uh, this will actually be, I, I joined the football broadcast crew 31 years ago okay. as a sideline reporter. Okay. So Paul James, my predecessor, right. he's passed since, but uh, Paul James did this job for 35 years as a play-by-play guy. He was the, he was the voice of the Cougars. Yeah. Um, so I was his sideline guy for nine seasons. And so in, and then in 2000, so in the year 2000, Lavelle retires and Paul James retires with him. In mm. fact, it's kind of funny. Mm. The morning that the news came out that Lavelle was going to quit at the end of the year, PJ, Paul James, came out and said, I'm leaving too. Wow. And so huh. they decided to go out together. Package deal. Yeah, and they, they really kind of were a package deal because they were, they were good friends and were kind of known uh, kind of hand in glove in terms of a broadcast entity, the yeah. coach and the broadcaster. Yeah. And so Lavelle and PJ went out together in the year 2000. Um, and interestingly, a few tables over to my right, Hans Olson, my mm-hmm. new broadcast partner, was on that 2000 team as a BYU player with Kalani Shitake, who ah, was a player on that team. And nice. so Lavelle's last team had Hans and Kalani. And so they left together, Lavelle and PJ, in 2000. The next year, 2001, was my first year as a full-time play-by-play boy. So this will be my 23rd season of football play-by-play. It will be my 28th of basketball play-by-play. Right. 
Uh, I've done women's soccer for a decade now on the radio. We're kind of an outlier that way, but I love doing that. And then uh, I just finished my third season of baseball. So uh, working the four sports right now, we'll see if it stays that way right. going into the Big 12 or not. I'm not sure, but I know that football and basketball will stay where they are for sure, and that's 20-plus uh, that's years there. That's so, very cool. Yeah. With all that experience, you're a good person to ask this. What's the? Give us a sense of the excitement from BYU fans and, and Provo, the city, the area, the family, you know, about joining the Big yeah. 12. Well, when I came into the business with BYU uh, on the football crew, they were in the whack. And, and it was a, a normal size league. Then it went to the 16-team WAC, right. which brought in teams like SMU and TCU. And so then there was a Texas footprint. That, that was a larger WAC. And then BYU left that league for the Mountain West Conference. That was a new conference. And then from Mountain West to Independence and now to Big 12. So I've kind of seen a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, in Lavelle's last years, late 90s, that's when the the letters BCS came into being, and and the and the power structure began to shift and change. Let's remember that Lavelle won a national championship right. in 1984. Since World War II, only one team outside what we now call the P5 structures won a national title. That was BYU in '84. How about that? You know, and 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 it, you know, could it ever happen again? Is the question because of how things have shifted. And that's and that's a, that's a dubious proposition, but they did it in '84. But right as Lavelle began to his his time was winding down, that's when we saw kind of the tiering of college football began to develop. And, and, and you could argue, John, that the gap has grown wider over time, fiscally and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so for BYU to finally make this jump comes at a really fortuitous time. Um, they weren't G5, but they weren't P5. They were right, right in that, right. that independence limbo. Right. The funny thing is, uh, a few years ago, those P5 conferences, when they were looking at their non-conference scheduling quotas, said you have to have a P5 every year. Well, they said, but if you schedule BYU, that'll count. That'll count as a P5. And so people they were looked at like a P5 in a way, but they didn't have the membership. They didn't have the access. And so they were in that limbo. So to finally get the call, I can't tell you how much it means to Cougar Nation. Independence was the right call at the right time. They had to do it, I think. But it was a 12-year grind. And, and there was no guarantee this would be the outcome, but that was the hope that, that you know it could be a proving ground and that there would be light at the end of the tunnel, and the light was the Big 12 in this instance. And so I, I really do feel like it's a stamp of approval. It was earned over not just 12 years of independence, but decades and decades of trying and earning and winning. And uh, Lavelle was a big part of it, of yeah. course. But to find themselves now on a more level playing field with what they believe are the best teams in college football and in athletics, I think they feel like they kind of are, are the place they, um, you know, fought hard to get to. That's great perspective. And in Lavelle Edwards, we were talking about this. He and Coach Taft were really good very friends, close. really good, uh, very close. And I think their wives were very close mm-hmm. also, uh, Donnell Taft and Mrs. Edwards also. Patty. Yep. So you go back to, uh, you mentioned 84, the national championship. I think it was the first game of the year, BYU beat Baylor in Provo. It was the second game of the year. Second game. Because okay. they went to Pitt. Pitt okay. was nationally ranked. Okay. How about this, though? The Pitt game was the first college football game live on ESPN. Oh, oh was it really? So BYU 84 opens the season against yeah. a top-10 ranked Pitt team. They wow. win that game, which set them off on their 13-0 sure. run. But the first game was Pitt on the road, first game live on ESPN. They yeah. come back to host Baylor in Week 2, and that was my first game ever seeing BYU football play. Really? Yeah. I just come down from Canada. I grew yeah. up in Canada. I was a 17-year-old freshman <laughs> at BYU. I had student tickets. I was in the south end zone, halfway up, yeah. and my first ever BYU football game that I ever saw, live or in prim- on TV or in yeah. person, was against Baylor That's in 1984. Right. 84. Yeah. And a big win, and, and BYU went on to an undefeated national championship season. Yeah. Am I right? Going back a year earlier to 83. They lose the first game of the season. That 
that was the first. That was an opener okay. at Baylor. They at lose Baylor. that and then don't lose again. That's right. Steve Young team. Yeah. And they and they ran the table after losing to Baylor, and it was a high-scoring Baylor loss, as I remember, to start the year. Then Steve Young and the Cougars go the rest of the way. They beat Missouri in yeah. the Holiday Bowl yeah. on a halfback option that Steve Young catches the ball <laughs> and runs in, and that was a, that was a one-loss season. Their only loss came to Baylor. To Baylor in '83 yeah. in yeah. a great game, one of the best games ever so played. So exciting. And yeah. what was then Baylor Stadium? Very yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. What's the schedule look like this year, football-wise, for BYU? So uh, it's so it's, it's so interesting, John, because for the last uh, you know 12 seasons, Tom Holmo, the AD, has been trying to schedule 12 games a year. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, there's, you're scheduling right. every As an independent, yeah, yeah. And, and trying to get P5 teams to play you in October and November is really hard. So usually that means you're front-loading September with P5s, mm. and and so that was a challenge in and of itself because you had to schedule your tougher teams usually early, and and if you lose a couple games early, you know what does that do to your team's momentum and, and motivation because you're not you're 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 playing basically just to get six wins to get into some kind of postseason game that's already locked in. You're not in the league. You're not checking standings. You can't move up. Can't move down. It was it was a tough deal. Um, but the but the big change is going from scheduling 12 games a year to now scheduling only three, and now you kind of have a template. The way to do it is you're going to have probably an FCS, uh, a, a good FBS, maybe a G5, and then a P5. Yeah. You know, so that that'll be kind of the new template, sure. and that's that what doing this year. Yeah. So this year, you open at home. Uh, to a new FBS, Sam Houston, which is leaving FCS, but they're an FBS team. So you take Sam Houston at home in week one, Southern Utah at home in week two, which is FCS. Then it's Arkansas on the road, Kansas on the road, Mm. back-to-back, and Kansas is your first ever Big 12 game. By the way, this is the first time in BYU football history that they've opened with two home games to start the year with neither game being a P5 and neither being both FBS. Oh, wow. So this is very unusual, but right. it could be the template of the way things go in right. the future. But, yeah, the back end of September is at Arkansas. You take off two letters, A and R, and go to Kansas, <laughs> and that's the uh, back-to-back road finish to the month. And so that's going to – we'll learn a lot pretty early about where BYU is going to be. Terrific. Well, yeah. it's great to have you here. It's great to have BYU as part of the league. I think Baylor-BYU is is already a feels like a budding rivalry, rivalry right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, with the games we played each of the last two years – Again, I told you that was a great win for Baylor on homecoming two years ago yeah. in Waco. And then the game last, last year was a double overtime game. last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ending out there in Provo, so and we talked at our dinner last night. There've yeah. been some basketball games played yeah. as well, and, right. I, and, I, and I'm looking forward to getting into what's Foster Pavilion. That'll be the new building. Yep, brand new. You'll get a first year look at. Yeah, it. yeah. So uh, those games will be coming, and I, I think there are a lot of reasons of commonality that make BYU and Baylor kind of a good fit. We've talked right. about how uh, at the presidential level now, now former President Worthen and President Livingstone really seem to uh, hit it off and, and and establish some ties there. And there's a there's a faith based link also mm-hmm. to the two schools, and uh, so yeah, I think there are some things that I think over time will make it a, a fun rivalry to play. That's great. Great to see you. Thanks. Uh, Always great to see you, John. We'll see you down the road. Yep, we'll see you time. soon. Okay. All right, Greg Rubel, the great voice of the BYU Cougars. Great to have him and the Cougars uh, at Big 12 Football Media Days. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more in a moment, off and running on this Thursday. Oh, look who's here. It's Ian Fitzsimmons with uh, ESPN Radio. Wow, the hits just keep on coming. We'll visit with him when we come back. John Morris Show brought to you in part by Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, your friend in the car business. Now back to today's JMO Radio Show, live from the Big 12 Media Days. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. Back with us, Big 12 Football Media Days, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, presented by Myatt Fuels. Myatt Fuels, you call... 
we haul. You might uh, say that about our guest here. I mean, you, you you call on him for football information. He's going to deliver. You're overselling. Is that a stretch? Yeah, oh, big time. Is that a stretch? Without a doubt. I mean, are you kidding me? Ian good to see you, John. How you been, bud? Very good, and very nice to have you here. Do you make the rounds? Do you hit as many of the media days as you can? Uh, yeah, well, normally it's it's Big 12, SEC, mm-hmm. uh, and ACC. So okay. I'll do the, uh, right now. I'm scheduled to do those three this okay. year. Okay. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I used to do Big Ten, obviously being in Columbus, Ohio, for years. But yeah, now I mean, being local here in Dallas, um, it's easy to come here, and then. Be on the plane, head to Nashville next week, and there then uh, my brother being uh, coaching special teams with Chris Tabor uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it's an easy excuse to tell ESPN, <laughs> I don't need a hotel room. Right. I'm good, right? I, 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 I got a place to stay. Yeah. Can I go to ECC? Uh-huh. So I think I've got Clemson in, in uh, the first, uh, somewhere in the first three weeks. So it's always good to. Just to, you know, kind of get out and, and and see as much as you possibly can, as you know. Absolutely. I love it. It kind of gets the juices flowing. Too. Oh, it's about here, football. man. Yeah. You talk to any coach here, and, you know, and, and the players, not so much. You know, they, they, they want their last, you know, two or three weeks before right. camp to right. decompress, get away, and just be. But the yeah. coaches, They're it's here, time. man. It, 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 college football season is here. Yeah. And... That's another, by the way, uh, just a, you got to commend Brett Yormark, you know, Big 12 commissioner, uh, and Bob Berta and their, their staff to be the first ones, mm-hmm. right? It used to be the SEC. Yeah. To jump ahead of them and uh, what's it, you know, and, and get that, that ball rolling as far as a PR yeah. standpoint. It's a brilliant move on their part because, you know, what's everyone talking about right now? There's nothing going on. Yeah. You have. Every now and then I teach a class at SMU uh, in the summertime, and one question I get every summer is, what do you talk about in July? <laughs> That's fair. My, my answer, you go on vacation. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you don't have to. Right. It, it's, 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 it's not easy, mm. right? Especially to fill four hours right. on a radio show. Right. The Big 12 getting out right now, What's everybody talking about with, you know, no baseball going on, the right. all-star break? It was a brilliant move by Berta, your mark, to go, you know what? This is when we're going to have Big 12 media days, and everyone's talking about the new Big 12. I love it. I think you're right. I agree completely to jump ahead of the SEC, which normally yep. does go first. I think it's a big move. What uh, What's your any particular takeaways from the last couple of days here? Well, one, Dave Aranda is one of my favorite people on the yeah, planet. Me too. I mean, he, 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 could, he could teach philosophy yeah. you know, uh, or coach football. I mean, there's not right. many guys. He's that, a philosopher that happens to coach yeah, football. Yeah, I mean, every year, you know, knowing him going back to his Utah State days, mm. Even before LSU, yeah. right when he, you know, he was a defensive coordinator there for the '19 team when they won the Natty. I mean, he's just so remarkable and wicked smart. I always ask him for a, a book recommendation or whatever. I mean, or just you know something as far as life. Yeah, he he has something for you. And you go back to year one, and then year two, right? And year, th- it's now. It's his imprint. Yeah. It's his team. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to be something he's not, right? So uh, I always love catching up with Aranda. And then I I, I like, man, my sleeper team this year, 
watch out for Joey McGuire. Uh, okay. Dude, they are, I'm telling you, I, I think I've got them week two. Okay. I know I have LSU Florida State week one. Gotcha. Uh, neutral site, Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, obviously I have 17 bosses at ESPN, <laughs> so they'll, they'll assign them in a, in a, in a bit. But I, the word is right now Texas Tech, Oregon week two. Nice. And, man, they're, they're good. They they're deeper than most people think. Their O line is better than most people think. Miles Cole, I mean, if he's wearing 19, you're going all right. That's Tyree Wilson. I mean, he, they are damn good. Yeah. And Joey Mack would right now be telling us, shut the hell up. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> I mean, just be quiet. Kind of like Aranda. I think mean, I mean, look, I think Shapin's grown up. You know, I mean, kind of like Tyler Shuck. Yeah, you know, I too. He's a he's a different guy. So. Uh, those are two teams that, that right now coming into this new Big 12, I would say be careful. Mm-hmm. But number one, because some people are talking about Baylor because Aranda has that brand. Mm-hmm. He has won in Addy, right? He was with Devin White and Joe Burrow and all those guys. But no one's talking about Texas Tech, man. Watch out. All right. We got you on recording uh, saying that. What You just finished an interview with Gus Malzahn, head coach at uh, UCF. He looks refreshed, dude. Really? So, having covered him at Auburn for a long time, yeah. he looks like a different person. How about that? You know, just, I mean, that's a guy who, you know, I want a natty. And, but all the crap you got to deal with from going back to, you know, Bobby Louder. Uh, you know, just a jock sniffing booster. Uh, you know, years ago with with Colonial Bank, and now the Yellowwood. I can't remember the Yellowwood guy's name. Uh, the other big Auburn booster, who's now the new Bobby Lauder. Mm. You got to deal with so much stuff off the field. He looks like a. I mean, you and I were just talking, John, off air. He looks like a different person. Right, he does. Yeah. And if you put landmines around Orlando, Florida, when it comes to recruiting, and you just keep. The top 20 guys. Yeah. How top 10 guys? Mm-hmm. And he's done it. You're going to have a hell of a football team. Yeah. That dude looks like a different person from the last time I saw him, you know, going back to his Auburn days, now coming into year two at UCF. Everybody seems to think UCF is the most um, Big 12 ready, you know, ready to well, step in. They should in. be. What do you, what uh, do you think about that? And I'll give you another team. Yeah. Kalani Sataki's yeah, boys. Yeah, sure. We played them the last two years. Dude, I know. And uh, you know, they're grown-ass men. Right. I mean, it, you come off that Mormon mission, you know, and, and you got another year and a half on other guys. That's a plus. Hey, <laughs> hell, yeah. <laughs> and when you have to go with the there, like Oklahoma coming up, what? Now I'm, I don't have the schedule in front of me. I think it's week four, okay. week five, okay. whatever it is. Man, that having lived in Park City, Utah, oh. that altitude yeah. is no damn joke. <laughs> so everyone talks about Air Force, you know, and how, how they have when you're coming into the visitors' locker room, you're leaving the field, and right. you have the elevation, right. right? Smart move. BYU. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. And I know Keaton Slovis is on his 18th team, right? Another transfer portal guy, which is another world that we live in. But BYU. Talking about Texas Tech sleeper, right? Be careful. Yeah, be yeah. very careful because Kalani Sataki's guys, when nobody's talking about them, that's one of those teams that'll just come up and bite you right in the butt. Yeah. What do you think, uh, being around college football as long as you have, 
What What's the challenge? What's the difference for a team like UCF, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati? Man, it's not even a challenge. It's, it's a bonus because you, you now have that, that Big 12 brand yeah. to recruit with. And talking to Brett Yormark, uh, you know, Big 12 commissioner, that man is about as driven as you're going to find. And Gene Stallings told me this in 1994 when he was the head coach at Alabama and I was a young student reporter. He said then that he believed that college football was going to end up being two, maybe three, you know, massive conferences. Right. Wow, in 94. 1994. Now we're at P5, right? Well, we're all seeing everyone gobble up each other. Your mark is going to make sure it ain't going to happen on his watch yeah. that his conference is left out. So right now it's the SEC and the Big Ten. But that guy, when it comes to the future of college football, and college athletics for that matter, because he, you know, he, he, his whole background is basketball, yeah, but also business. I mean, what he's done in his life, NASCAR, basketball, you know, being with Jay-Z, yeah. and now the uh, – come on, man. Are you kidding? With, he brings a whole different, you know, viewpoint and attitude that there's no way he's going to be left behind. So when Gene Stallings told me that in 1994, I laughed. But right now, look at the world we're living in. Right. Some 30 years later, and I mentioned that comment to your mark. He goes, yeah, Beebs was correct. Wow. And so uh, – it sounds like he believes it's going to be three, maybe, maybe four, but I don't see four, man. I really don't. So the future of college football, it's it, it's a doggy dog world, as uh, you know, as, as Norm said in uh, in Cheers, and I'm, we're all wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, I appreciate your time. Thanks very much, and we look forward to hearing you uh, on this station every night and on uh, college football uh, broadcast on ESPN Radio. John, good to see you, my brother. I appreciate you very I'll, much. Love to see you soon, man. All right, thanks very hey, much. Hey, by the way, hey, yep. down at George's now for me, some crazy wings, maybe, maybe a gut pack. Yeah, come yeah, on with it. I'll Let's send go. them to you. Yeah. Come on with it. Very I'm good. in, man. All right, Ian Fitzsimmons, ESPN Radio. We appreciate him and his time. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more in a moment, live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Big 12 Football Media Days, brought to you by Myatt Fuels. You're listening to the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas, live from the Big 12 Media Days. But like I said last year, this conference is bigger than any two schools. So we're in a great place. There's never been a better time than right now to be involved with this conference, and I'm excited about our future. John Morris, live from the Big 12 Media Days. Here's the voice of the Bears and Aaron Sexton. Back with us live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Already great to visit this hour with Greg Rubel, the voice of the BYU Cougars. Great to visit with Ian Fitzsimmons, ESPN Radio. We are brought to you in part every day by D'Amore Fine Jewelers. D'Amore at 4541 West Waco Drive. Also brought to you by Alliance Bank. Thank you, Truett. Also brought to you by Alliance Bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas. <laughs> Two locations in Waco, one in Temple, one in Georgetown. And brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Great new location, 2003, South Loop 340 in Waco. And on the web at pioneerboys.com.
All right, as promised, we want to get to a recorded interview from earlier today. Gene Taylor is the athletic director at Kansas State. Think about the year the K-State Wildcats had last season. Uh, for uh, They are the reigning Big 12 Conference football champions. They won a game in overtime over TCU in this building uh, for the Big 12 championship in football. And then basketball, first year under Jerome Tang. They go to the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. That was after they started the year when Coach Tang took over with two, count them, two, players on their roster so a lot of success for k-state last year here is gene taylor the athletic director for the kansas state wildcats welcome in now gene taylor the athletic director at kansas state it is very nice to see you and let me say congratulations what a great year what a great season for k-state athletics well, thank you very much it's great to be on and uh, it was it was a lot of fun uh, obviously the football championship and then you roll into basketball coach tang's first year with you know pretty low expectations and go to the elite eight and you know just the stories behind it you know going to new york with marquise and our you know new york players and uh it's been a fun year i told my staff i said we should be able to bottle up a year like this yeah. and if you have a crappy year then you can you know drink out of that <laughs> bottle it tastes right. a little bit better but uh yeah, it's, it's been a fun year. That's great. How about Coach Tang in his first year? We talked last year at this event, and, you know, he'd just been hired and was just on hand and was trying to trying to put a roster together, <laughs> and look how things turned out. You know, I, I just I'll never forget. I walked over in August, and he had five players. Yeah. And I said, Coach, we need a few more than five guys <laughs> uh, to practice. And he just looked at me and said, Gene, we're going to get dudes, but we're going to get the right dudes. And then just to watch him go through it and – I was panicking. If he was, he wasn't showing it. And his, his confidence level, his staff's confidence level. And then, you know, I went over as the practice season started in October, and I said, Coach, now you've seen them together. What do you think? He goes, Gene, I think we're going to gel into a team that maybe be able to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and obviously as the year went on and you saw how they came together and the run they had. But, uh, you know, that's just who he is. I mean, his belief and his culture that he's built within that team and you know, now he lose a lot of really good players, and he's got to kind of redo it again. And I think the good news is he got some high school kids. he got some kids around the team, so the building hasn't been quite as much as through right. the t- portal. But, you know, obviously I think he certainly can – he understands the portal. <laughs> I think everybody's beginning to understand yeah. the portal a little Whether bit. Whether you want to or not, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What What's it like for you when you, ident- when you have to make a hire, you identify somebody, you make a hire like Jerome Tang – and it turns out, you know, like that. I mean, you got to be proud of that decision. Well, you are obviously. Um, you know, it's a big, it's a big hire. There's yeah. a lot of eyeballs on it. Um, you know, because not just because it's basketball, but um, you know, they understand what basketball brings or what a football hire, whatever the case may be. You know, but this one was a little easier than we had some really good candidates. Don't get me wrong, but Jerome was somebody that I had watched on the sidelines for a couple of years, and. You know, I, I I know just enough about basketball to be dangerous. <laughs> but I realized when he was working with Scott, he was more than just a guy that had the scout. You know, there was a lot of that Scott relied on him. Right. You could tell his presence, was, his presence on the sideline was almost like a head coach. But I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a guy that we identified. And fortunately, when we were in Kansas City, uh, we were done playing, and he was the first one we talked to. And I had talked to a couple of people and said, hey, Tell me what you know about Jerome, some folks that were working at Baylor. Um, and before, we were seven minutes into a conversation, eight minutes, and then they said, oh, by the way, yeah, he's a pretty good basketball coach. Well, the first eight minutes was who he was as a person, yeah. how much he cared about the student athletes, how committed he was. I'm like, 
And he walked into the room, and he walked out an hour later, and I said, gentlemen, the folks were in our room, I said, that guy just set the bar. Wow. If we get anybody close to it, if not, he's going to be our next head coach. And then when we came out to Waco and came in the house, and he just blew us away, and yeah. he's been doing it. Literally every day that he's been at K-State. That's so great. Yeah. Well, we, we love him and appreciate him so much. I mean, 18 years in Waco, right yeah. alongside Coach Drew. And yeah. just uh, we got to figure out a way for Baylor now to, to get over the hump and beat him because we didn't do that last year. <laughs> it's funny. funny story. Last night we were having dinner, and uh, two couples came over, and, and uh, they, they were Baylor fans. Yeah. And they came over and saw our K-State stuff, and they were talking, and they walked away, and they came back and said, oh, by the way, you're welcome for Coach Tang. I said, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, good for him and, and good for you and a great hire. And uh, and then football, you mentioned Big 12 champs last year, but it's TCU that goes on into the college football playoff. Uh, I, I feel like I have to remind people, hey, Kansas State's the reigning Big 12 champions. <laughs> do, you, do you have that sense at all? I, I thought maybe a little bit. Obviously, yeah. for our fan base, not, not the not sure. The case, right. I guess, maybe when you come here, people yeah. are looking at TCU. Got a lot of love, and they should have. I mean, they, you know, getting uh, not only in the BCS or the BCS. I'm sorry, throw myself the, <laughs> right. the CFP Final Four, but then to advance to the championship game, that, that's a big deal. And uh, Michigan was a really good football team that they beat. So, I, I think I, I think our fans understand it. Maybe it's okay that we're that way because maybe it gives a players a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as they yeah. go into this year yeah. and obviously everybody's picking texas which you know they're pretty good too so <laughs> k-state number two though right behind texas yeah. in the preseason poll and, and coach Kleiman to me seems like a guy that's not just built a team i mean he's built a program there and yeah. it's just really impressive you know one of the things that he i've obviously known chris for a long time we had our chance to work together at north dakota state um he, he's really about culture and he's really about building a culture that feeds on itself from a positive, and he believes strongly in the locker room, and it's a players-led team. And so if he can establish that with the older players, and when the young players come in, they go, oh, wow, I better work just as hard as they do every day so I can achieve what they've achieved. And, and so I think that's what's been fun is the culture in that locker room is a, a kind of a Chris Kleiman-led culture, but he's also got a staff that's been very consistent, you know, to be able to keep a consistent staff together, I think is really, really indi- indicative of having long-term success. I uh, I said to him last year, Coach Kleiman, I said, you're a really good fit for Kansas State. And he, he piped back, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? <laughs> and I said, I just think you fit the fan base. I think you fit the school. I mean, the work ethic, ethic you know, yeah, and everything. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, that's I think when I look back at, you know, when we when obviously – replacing a guy like Bill Snyder is not easy. You know, when you got a guy's statue out front and what he did for K-State football, he deserves every accolade. And I knew it was going to take a very unique and special person that understood that to come in and embrace a Bill Snyder success in a Bill Snyder family stadium, but also be willing to adjust it enough to build his own program. And, and Chris has done that. He, I saw him do it when Coach Bowl left at North Dakota State. He kept a lot of the same things, but he changed it enough to go on and win four more championships. So, um, and, and fit is big. The understanding that, you know, everybody's got their own fan base and their own uniqueness to it, and K-State's one of those. And I felt Chris was going to be a good fit for us for the reasons you just talked about. Very good. Uh, baseball, I'll only say there's no <laughs> way Kansas State should not have been in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's frustrating. Obviously, yeah. I, I happened to see some of the committee members when I was out at a national convention. And, you know, it was I would joke with them a little bit because it was water under the bridge. Right. But I did say – 
to them. I said, we have to look at this differently. You rely too much on RPI. You totally, I don't know if you ignored it or not, but we took three from Oklahoma. We took two out of three from Texas Tech. Both those teams get in. We're playing well down the stretch. We beat Texas in the tournament, in the, in the, or the Big 12 tournament. How do you not take that into account? Yeah. Did they and, give you an answer? Uh, they basically said, Gene, you're right. We relied too much on the RPI. Huh. And okay. our RPI, our non-conference RPI was in the 150s. Yeah. And they just didn't think. And, and now we had to probably, there were some teams we probably should have won. But as you get towards the end of the season, that matters. I mean, you look at what basketball does and how they choose the, the 64. I think they could take a lot of those theories. And, and it's hard, harder in baseball and basketball. You get a chance to see more teams play. But you you have to look at results on the field, and and I think sometimes they didn't pay attention to that. Gotcha. Well, it was a travesty. It really was. Uh, Gene Taylor is our guest, athletic director at Kansas State. From your chair, what keeps you up at night? What what are the main issues that, uh, you know, are facing you? You know, obviously, you know, for us at a place, you know, uh, you know, how do we stay competitive from a revenue perspective and, 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 a, and a budget perspective so we can keep the good coaches, so we can invest back in our student athletes and invest back in our in our coaching staff and our staff in general. You know, some of these you know, conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, they, they, they have so much money now they're. You know, they're beginning to pay their marketing folks more than us and their fundraisers. And so we're losing, you know, sometimes good people there. So that's one thing. And then just making sure that we're staying on top of the changing, literally everyday changing NIL, transfer portal. Gambling right now is a, is a big, big concern. Um, you know, obviously we've had a couple of incidences across the country that right. – are not something you want to deal with as an athletic director. And I know both Jamie and, and Gary Barta, and it's not anything, you know, it's, it's reality right now. It's, you got your phone, you can gamble on pretty much anything. And that's probably the one biggest thing that I worry about is how do we manage that? How do we continue to educate our athletes to say, guys, you can't do this because if you do, you're going to get caught and it's going to cost you a great deal. If you do. It's exciting with the uh, four new schools here, you know, it's kind of like, Kind of like freshmen coming to campus. They're sort of wide-eyed, you yeah, know, and excited yeah, about yeah. the prospects. But it's it's infectious. I like it. It really is. And I, I liken it to when my first uh, time coming here as a, just yeah. a new AD. We were back at the Star, and I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> so seeing them come in and seeing the looks on their faces and, and the smiles and having them do the, the media thing, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we lose sight. Oh, I've got another media day. and. But for them, it's really, really neat. And for their athletes to come into this level of, you know, I think we have over 700 media, media wow. members yeah. here. And uh, it's a big deal. We're the first one. So there's a lot of stuff we're getting out, of, out on, uh, on sports centers and those. Um, so it's, it's really, and I know all the ADs. I've gotten to know them. They're great guys. And it's just cool to, to see the smile on their faces. That's good. Uh, Facilities-wise, uh, y'all keep moving moving forward in that area, don't you? Yeah, we just finished uh, two big ones. We opened a brand-new indoor football facility and outdoor, and then we just uh, unveiled our new volleyball arena, mm-hmm. 3,500 seat to the donors. Uh, that's probably our, for a while, our, our big facility projects, the $40, $50 million. I think we're pretty set there. Um, you know, we have to do a few things with our men and women's golf program and our tennis, but those aren't mass. I mean, you know, they're still going to be costly, but not $50, $60 million campaigns. So we're pretty set right now. And, and, and I, again, I go back and thank our, our donors and our folks that believe the importance of investing. When we, inv- when we unveiled the volleyball, the family is the Morgan family, and we just had the Morgan family there with the volleyball team and the coaches. And I told them in the locker room, when they walked in their locker room, their eyes are about that big. I said, guys, this is about this family investing in you as student-athletes. 
and understand the importance of giving you the opportunity to have the training facilities to go out and be competitive and compete for in-state championships. So um, that's a cool thing. Our donors really understand that. I know the Baylor donors understand that very well. Sure. They've been investing in those facilities. Max done a great job. Um, but I think understanding that and the impact it has on the student-athlete is probably the most important thing we, we can do with our donors. Yeah. Final thought. Um, from your chair, again, as an athletic director in this league with Commissioner Yormark and the way he – keeps coming up with you know different <laughs> unique outside the box things uh it, it's that's fun isn't it it really is um you know I, I tell this all the time you know sometimes athletic directors we get pretty tunnel vision <laughs> right. and we're pretty traditional <laughs> right. right it was like okay we this is how we've always done it um but brett has really kind of challenged us a little bit threw some stuff out there to make us think outside the box um i give the example of the nfl combine next april for just the big 12 you know we push back on that the more he kept talking we're like Okay, and all of a sudden now it's going to be a, a major deal for athletes. Then NFL Network's going to be involved. And but if Brett hadn't pushed that, but that's what he is. He's gonna he does he knows what he doesn't know, but he's going to throw stuff out there. If it sticks, great. Yeah. If it doesn't, then we'll go back on to the next idea. And he's a promoter, and I think it's great for our conference. It really is. I think it's fine. It really yeah. is. It's great to see you. Thank you yeah, for your thank time. Thank you. Appreciate having me on, and we'll see you throughout the year. Give our best to Coach Tang. All right, we'll do that. All right, Absolutely. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it. Now back to today's JMO Radio Show, live from the Big 12 Media Days. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. All right, back with us. Just enough time to uh, say thanks, wrap things up, look ahead. Matt Mosley's show is coming up next. Plenty more from here inside AT&T Stadium in Arlington. So stay with us for the Matt Mosley Show, which is coming up next. Matt and uh, Ward have been busy gathering interviews, and they'll present all that to you coming up over the next two hours to uh, give you a real sense and a real feel of uh, as if you were here yourself at Big 12 Football Media Days here in Arlington. Thanks to uh, Greg Rubel, who was on with us, the voice of the BYU Cougars. Thanks to Ian Fitzsimmons from ESPN Radio. And also uh, Gene Taylor, the athletic director at Kansas State, our guest today. We are, Aaron, headed back to Waco uh, a little later tonight. We have a Dave Aranda dinner coming up this evening in Plano. So we look forward to that, meeting with the Baylor family up there, and then back to Waco tonight. I will see you in studio tomorrow. And, Aaron, we've got, uh, you know, Old Trapper is the sponsor of the Media Days. We've got some Old Trapper to bring to you, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free beef jerky. I'm, I'm here for it. I know. I know. So I'll bring that to you and deliver that when we get, <laughs> get together tomorrow. But thank you very much for making things work. Couldn't do it without Aaron in the studio. Couldn't do it without Ward here at AT&T Stadium. We appreciate you being with us. Now stay tuned. The Matt Mosley Show is coming up next. This conference is bigger than any two schools.